Good morning, and welcome to Vernonia Church's online service. My name is Chad, I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm just so glad that you joined us this morning as we get ready to start a brand new teaching series called God's Voice and His Son, and it's going to be a great day. By the way, if you miss any of our messages or you would like to go back and see any of the previous messages that were already spoken, you can do so by going to YouTube or Spotify. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe. That way you can still be connected anywhere you go, especially when you go on vacation this holiday season. Now, as we get ready to dive in this message, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to uh, hear about your son and, and, and this area of looking at I'm going to restart the prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak about uh, how you spoke through your son. And as we get ready to dive into this message, I just ask that you would speak to our heart and that you would work within us as we continue to, uh, to seek you out more, especially as we get into this, this Christmas season. And a lot of these messages will be pertaining around a lot of those prophecies and, and Jesus even being here. So Father, I, I just thank you for this opportunity. I pray that we'll have a great day and that you will just be with this message. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Have you ever wanted to hear God's voice audibly? How about hearing his voice in a dream or maybe in the burning bush as Moses did? If any of you were like me, there have been times where you wish you could hear God's voice. Whether it was for him to calm us when we were struggling or we had fears. To hear somebody say that they were proud of us when we hadn't heard it in a long time. To tell us which direction we should go or what we should do when we had no idea what we should be doing in that moment. I'm sure there have been times where we have all wished that we could hear God's voice in our lives. Well, this morning, I would like to speak to you on a subject that, that resembles just that. It's called God's voice yesterday. Now, as we begin, I want you to think about this phrase. You can't put God in a box. Have you heard of that phrase before? If you haven't heard of that phrase or haven't even thought about it, or maybe you have, regardless, it's still entirely true. God, the creator of all things, being all-knowing, all-powerful, pre and present everywhere, is not bound by the natural laws he put into place for all of his creation. You see, the truth is, God can choose to confine his presence wherever he chooses to. And we see this in Exodus 25, 22, where God confines his presence within the tent of meeting above the cherubim, where he would meet with Moses and give him his commands. Now, later this would change as, as God would send his son into the world. But God makes himself known throughout history in a variety of different ways. This morning, we'll be looking at how he spoke before Jesus and how he prepared the world for the birth of Jesus. Now, as I stated earlier, I often wonder what it would be like to, have, to hear God's voice. Even better yet, I often wonder what it would have been like to walk in the garden as Adam did, talking side by side with Jesus. Or to be Abraham as he is requesting that... that if God could find even 50, 30, 20, or even 10 righteous people within the city of Sodom, that he wouldn't destroy it. To be, to be Moses, as, as he is looking at this bush that's on fire, and, and, and it's not consuming it, and to hear God's voice speak out of it. 
or, or to hear God in my unbelief as he tells me to put my hand inside my cloak, only to pull it out and find that leprosy has, in, has consumed it. And then God telling me to put it back in my cloak and pull it back out, only to find that the leprosy was gone, it was healed. Maybe even to hear God say to confront Pharaoh, only to watch him unleash his power upon Egypt in the ten plagues. To hear God as Moses cried out as the Israelites came to a dead end at the Red Sea. And God sitting there saying, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move forward. Take the staff in your hand, put it over the sea, and watch it divide. As he watches this happen and as, as he performs this act and God parts the waters, watching everybody walk across on dry land. Or even better yet, spending 40 days and 40 nights up on the mountain with God in Mount Sinai. Though I often wonder what it would be like to be in their shoes, to hear God as he spoke. I must admit, there are circumstances in which I am relieved that I have not been in these situations. Especially, I, I, especially Moses. I'm glad I'm not in his shoes, or should I say, his sandals. You see, Moses has just gotten done up on, on Mount Sinai, coming down off the mountain, only to find that the Israelites have fashioned a golden calf and they are worshiping it. Even after seeing all the signs and wonders God performed as he delivered them out of the hands of, of, the, of the Egyptians, as he parted the Red Sea and guided them along. This would then cause them to wander the desert for 40 years. I don't know if that I want to do that. I would want to do that one, but if I was called to, I would. Or, or to sit there and, and listen to the grumbling and complaining of the Israelites when there was no water that, that could be found, or, or hear them grumble about wanting meat when God provided manna every day that all they had to do was go out and pick it up. These would go on and on. But as we look at today's verse, we'll see how God communica communicated in, in a variety of ways. In today's passage, we will see the author begins by saying, in the past. Now, this, this reference of the past reflects on a time before Jesus, but also leading up to Jesus, which would present a new era known as the last days. Though, we're going to touch on that a little bit more next week. But for this week, we're going to focus on the past and how God spoke. We see in the first chapter of Hebrews that the author leaps directly into presenting Jesus as the new covenant which it, this is the central message of the book. But the author also reminds us that the prophets of old received messages of, of God, from God in small portions, and God did this with words, visions, and dreams. We're going to jump into this, this verse, Hebrews 1.1, here in just a second. So if you have time, if you'd like to look for it real quick, or you could follow along. Here in the first verse of Hebrews, the author writes, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Though this week we are looking at one verse, there's still a lot to dissect within this. Now, as we dig deeper into the, this verse, we're going to discover four ways God revealed his plan to mankind. The first one of these is God spoke. 
Now, in this, in on, in your fill in the blank, it says, "In the past, God spoke audibly." Now, in the first part of the verse, we see that God spoke. Now, it's important to understand the intent of the author here. In this, in this verse, it's not God speaking; it's the author who is speaking about how God spoke, and this is how God would speak His truth to us. You see, in the beginning, God shows his power as he speaks everything into existence. The moon, the stars, the, the, the separation of land and water, the, the vegetation that he puts out there, the animals that he puts out, and the birds of the sky. Once he gets done creating this, we see that he creates mankind. And he spoke to Adam and Eve directly, giving them guidelines for what they are to do in the garden. And the one thing, let me repeat that, the one thing, they were not supposed to do, meaning to eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we see how far that got. The point is, we see that God spoke directly to them. Now, when we look to the, to the book of Leviticus, we're going to see that the phrase, the Lord spoke to Moses, is used a total of 38 times. And the phrase, the Lord commanded Moses, is used 18 times. If you total that up, it's about 65 times that we see that God spoke directly to Moses just in the book of Leviticus. There was a Christian Chinese farmer who farmed the side of a hill along with a few other farmers. One of the most difficult tasks for the farmer had uh, one of the... I'm going to restart that. I'm going to tell you a story about a Chinese Christian farmer. Now, this Chinese Christian farmer, he farmed a hill along with, with other farmers. One of the most difficult tasks that the farmer had was to irrigate his crops. He would have to carry water from, from a lake below the hill up to his land. The farmer who owned the land below was not a Christian. And he made life for the Christian unbearable. Whenever the Christian farmer irrigated his land, the non-Christian would knock down the dam separating, that would be separating their land, and the water would flow down and irrigate his land. The Christian farmer, wanting to be a witness, would swallow his anger and say nothing. As time went on, however, the behavior of the non-Christian farmer didn't change, and the Christian became, began to harbor hard feelings and hatred against him. The Christian thought that, that the solution to the problem was in his neighbor becoming a Christian, but the neighbor was unresponsive to the, Christian word, to the Christian's words. While praying about the situation, God spoke to the Christian, convincing him, uh, uh, convicting him of his hatred, and showed him how he was to love his neighbor. So the next time the farmer irrigated his land, he first went and knocked down the dam between his farm and the, farmer's, and the other farmer's property. He then proceeded to water both properties. He did this for several weeks until the non-Christian farmer came to him and shared with him that he was giving his life to Christ because he could no longer stand against a God who could inspire such love in a man. If there's one thing that I've learned when God speaks, you listen. 
The second point I want to talk about is, is this area where God spoke to our forefathers. Now, in the past, the, the, the fill in the blank for this is, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers. Now, when God spoke to the forefather, it was to reveal a portion of his plan, either to rescue them from disaster or to present them with news of something in the future. God told Noah to construct a massive boat. You see, he had seen how wicked humanity had become, and he regretted making human beings, so he was going to wipe them from the face of the earth. But Noah, well, Noah found favor in God, and so God gave him dimensions to build this massive ark and gather these animals inside. And in Genesis 7-1, the Lord said, then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. And the rest of the story is history. God saved Noah's family, and they started off again once, once the 40 days and 40 nights on the boat ended up. Now, that's a story for another time. Next, we see an angel of the Lord appearing to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was well past the age of, of bearing children, but God heard her cries and pleas for a, for a child, specifically a male heir. The angel of the Lord was sent to inform her that she would be with child. Now, now there is a lot more to the story. Now, there's a lot more to the story, including Sarah and Abraham taking matters into their own hands. Uh, this brought forth another child, Ishmael, into the world. But that's a, that's a message for another time. But here, in, in Genesis seventeen nineteen, Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, and an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Now, one of the things that ends up happening here is if we look at this, this happens roughly... 25 years after the angel of the Lord said to Sarah that she would become pregnant and bear this son. Kind of gives a little bit more of that, that indication of, of these generations that just are impatient. Well, we all are, right? We want things now. When, when God gives Joseph a dream, it will take time, pain and suffering before he would see God's plan revealed. In Genesis 37, 5 through 7, I'm not going to read all of it. We're going to kind of paraphrase it. Joseph has a dream, and basically in this dream, he tells his brothers about it, and they hated him all the more. What he would say here, what he's saying here, as we pick up in verse 7, he says, We were binding sheaves of grain in the field, and then suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, they're going to sit here and mock him, and, and they will end up throwing Joseph into a pit after beating him, and then selling him into slavery. He would go to Egypt, he would rise up in the ranks in Potiphar's house, only to be thrown in prison because of what Potiphar's wife lied about. But we see that when, when Pharaoh has a dream, Joseph is called to, in to interpret for him, as we see in Genesis 41, 1-7. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat. They grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunty, came up out of, out of the Nile and stood beside 
those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven cows, sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin, the, the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full, head, healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh awoken. It had been a dream. Now, what's going to happen here is, is God reveals the mystery to Pharaoh in this dream that there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. But it isn't until Joseph comes in that this is, this is able to be interpreted. And when he interprets this, what, what Joseph had originally told his brothers will come to fruition. See, when God speaks, it, it, it takes time sometimes for it to come to fruition, as our forefathers would learn. It's sort of like uh, timber products. Some timber, timber producers have to wait up to 180 years to produce a harvest. That means that the planter will never know the great-grandchildren who reap the harvest. And the harvester will never know the forefather who planted the seed. The future depends on, on the foresight and the patience of each generation. See, what God revealed to the forefathers through the, through, throughout the Bible was a foresight of what would be passed down from generation to generation. They too would not see it, see the fruition of God's master plan, but they trusted that what he revealed would come true. The third point I want to point out is that, that God, in the past, God spoke through prophets. When God spoke through prophets, there were times God was using them to correct, I'm sorry, point maker. And uh, in the past, God spoke through prophets. When God spoke through prophets, there were times God was using them for correcting others Sometimes God would utilize them to speak what was to come in the future for prophecies and signs to look for. The first prophet I would like to talk about is Nathan. Now Nathan, as you know, he is called on by God to expose what happened with David. Now David, he's committed adultery with Bathsheba. Not only did he commit adultery with Bathsheba, but now they've produced a child. And, well, he tried to cover it up. It didn't work, so he goes off and he kills Uriah, her husband. After he kills her, he takes him in like a good old king does. Oh, I'm just taking her in as one of his wives, gives her that time to mourn, and he thinks everything is all good. Like, hey, look, I got away with it. But God revealed to the prophet Nathan what David had done, and he, he sent to confront him. But he does it in a clever way. Because instead of just confronting him and saying, hey, David, I heard that this, was, this is what happened and God did that. Instead, he uses a story uh, of, of a rich man and a poor man and the poor man only having one goat and the rich man having all this stuff and he has a bunch of friends that come over. Well, when these friends come over, well, instead of killing one of his and feeding them, he kills this one man's lowly goat. And he takes and serves it to his friends. And, and David gets extremely mad. 
And that's when Nathan will sit there and say, hey, David, this is you. God spoke through the prophet Nathan to reveal what was hidden in secret. God also spoke to, spoke to prophets to reveal his plan of redemption for mankind. God used prophets to prophesy Jesus' birth. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Isaiah, I, I love Isaiah because there's some other portions of it, but I'm not going to speak about it today. But in this portion, Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Again, in Isaiah 61, 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to pro proclaim freedom for, for the captives, and to release from the darkness the prisoners. Now I got one more in Isaiah. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Crazy awesome, right? The fact that, that we get to hear all of these prophecies as they are given. To, to, to hear the foretelling. Now, they cut them in bits and pieces. We got Isaiah, we've got Micah, we're going to look in Numbers right now, 24, 17. I see him, but now, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skull of all the people of Sheth. Jeremiah 23, 5-6 The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up, from, rise up for David, a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In, the, in his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteous Savior. Jeremiah 31 15 this is what the Lord says a voice is heard in Ramah mourning and great weeping Rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted because they are no more now that one if you don't remember is when Herod in his jealousy because it was a new king that he doesn't know about decides to kill all the young young boys to try to make sure that he was taking care of this future king so it couldn't rise up against him. Finally, I want to look at this last one. Psalms 72, 10 through 11. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. What a crazy amount of prophecies that are spread out in bits and pieces that would speak of the coming Messiah. Speaking of prophecies, 
kind of like predictions. There are some of the world's worst predictions found in a book and across the web. One of these is King George II said in 1773 that the American colonies had little stomach for revolution. Okay. Western Union internal memo wrote in 1876 that the telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. Okay. Simon Newcomb said in 1902 that flight by machines heavier than air is unpractical and insignificant and, and if not, utterly impossible. President, Michigan, uh, President of Michigan Savings Bank in 1903 said that the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty and a fad. An official of the White Star Line, speaking of the, the firm's newly built flagship, the Titanic, declared that his ship in 1912 was unsinkable. H.M. Warner in 1970, or 1927 said, Who wants to hear actors talk? <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> in 1946, Daryl Zenke said, Television won't last because people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. Ken Olson in 1977 said, There is no reason for any individual to have a computer in their home. Finally, Clifford Stoll said in 1995 that the truth is no online database will ever replace the daily newspaper. It's funny to see how many people try and predict the future only to fall flat on their faces. While the words spoken by the prophets have either come to fruition or are in the process of being fulfilled, I'm kind of glad, I'm very glad that, that, um, we don't see this happening with, with Scripture, that it is true, and it has been true across so many generations. The fourth and final uh, of these points is, at many times and in various ways, in the past, God spoke at many times and in various ways. Now, there's a number of ways God spoke. Sometimes it was through people. Sometimes it was through dreams and so on. One that, I, that would probably have scared me a little if not a lot, if I was in this, this king's shoes, would be the one found in Daniel 5, 1 through 31. You see, King Belshazzar was having a banquet with his nobles, you know, the high-class people. They're getting drunk, and they're using gold and silver goblets stolen from the temple in Jerusalem. All while they're sitting here worshiping and praising their gods of gold and silver and bronze, and so on. And, and as they are doing this, we see something start to happen on the wall. Suddenly, fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was frightened, that, so frightened that his legs became weak at his knees and they were knocking. Now, this king is freaking out. And he calls in his enchanters, his magicians, his psychics to try to read what's on the wall, but none of them are able. 
somebody pipes up and says, well, there's this guy named Daniel. Yeah, he should be able to do it. He, and he's a reader of these things. And so he's brought in, and King, King Belshazzar says that, that Belshazzar sa- tells Daniel he would clothe him in purple and give him a gold chain around his neck if he could interpret the writing on the wall. And Daniel's kind of like, well, you can keep that, but I will translate what's on the wall. Now, what has been happening here is the, this king has, well, even with his father, Nebuchadnezzar, have basically turned against God. They're mocking him, turned to their own gods. Um, they, they are drunk with wine and, and, well, they've done a lot of bad things in the recent times. And so, God writes this inscription on the wall. This is the inscription that was written. Mini, mini, teko, parson. Here's what these words mean. Mini, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and the Medes and the Persians will get it. With that, Belshazzar commanded Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Kind of crazy to think about, right? In this whole portion, um, God speaks, and he actually causes a hand to start writing on the wall. If I wasn't a believer, I would be scared out of my mind. The next portion we're going to look at is this portion in 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 14, where Samuel is under Eli. Now, Eli has gotten older in his age, and so he's already laying down, and, and Samuel's laying down near the Ark of the Covenant, and as he's laying there, he hears someone say, which actually ends up being the Lord, Samuel. So he gets up and he goes into Eli. He says, here I am. How can I help? <laughs> He's like, uh, I didn't call you. Go back, to, go back and lie down. So he went back to lay down. And, and, and again, he hears the voice of the Lord saying, Samuel. So he gets up and goes to Eli. He's, here I am. Oh, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. The third time this happens, though, Eli picks up on something. He says, it's probably the Lord speaking to you. Now, we've seen that, that God speaks through visions and dreams. And one of these times, we see we're going to go back to Joseph as he's sitting there in the jail cell. And there, there are two guys there. There's a cupbearer and a bread baker. Now, each of them had a dream. But the cupbearer is the one that gives his dream first. What, what Joseph will find from that dream is that this man is going to be restored to his position and he asks him to remember him when he does that. Uh, the second guy, seeing that the, that the dream was favorable, decides to say, hey, um, why don't you return mine? And he's got this bed basket on his head, and then there's this crow, and he says, okay, well, um, what this one means is, well, you're going to lose your head. <laughs> God speaks in different ways, and, and in one of these ways, we see that God is speaking uh, through dreams and and. This will later also bring that opportunity for uh, Joseph when he goes to see Pharaoh, when Pharaoh has his dream. 
The last portion, we, or one of the last portions we look at is Elijah on the mountain, where he listened for God, as he said in, in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. First, we see that there's a violent wind. It tears up the mountain. There's all kinds of stuff, but the Lord's not there. After that, there's a quake, but, the, but God was not in the quake. After that came fire, and the fire, as it came through, well, God wasn't there. Finally, we hear a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled back his cloak, uh, pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah heard God's still small voice in the quiet of the mountain. last portions we look at is how God sends in Luke 1, 26 through 38, sends Gabriel, the angel, to, to tell Mary that she's going to conceive as a virgin and that she's going to have a son, that she's to call him Emmanuel. And later on, we'll see that, that uh, Joseph, the one who's betrothed to be married, married to Jesus, uh, to Mary, Joseph, who we see is supposed to be a betrothed to marry Mary, um, an angel appears to him in the dream because he's getting ready to divorce her because he thinks, well, she has gone and slept around and that she is no longer a virgin. But the angel comes to him and says, David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what she has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. As God spoke in the past, he revealed small portions of his plan of redemption to mankind through visions, dreams, prophecies, and through the prophets. As God revealed his plan to send his son into the world, each generation would wait for the promised Messiah that was prophesied through the prophet. As we close today, might I encourage you to take and memorize Hebrews 1.1. It's actually pretty small, and it should be easier. The second thing I would encourage you to do is spend time this week remembering to trust in the promises that God has already fulfilled. And the third thing I will, I will pray, I would, I would ask you to pray for God to help you to trust and believe in the truth of the scripture. And with that, I would like to close in prayer. If you will pray with me, I want to thank you for joining me today. And I, I look forward to speaking with you guys next week as we go into the next portion of this, this new series, uh, God's Voice and His Son. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity to be able to come together. Uh, Father, I thank you that, that you have shown your truth and through your word you have given prophecies and that you have foretold what's going to happen and even though it takes time even though each generation it seems like it takes longer and longer and longer father that you are still god and that things happen in your time not ours even though we would like that instant gratification father i thank you for for who you are and i just ask that you would bless us this week as we go our separate ways in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen Thank you for joining us. I hope you guys have a great week. Mm -hmm.